Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Heart and Hand, Rangers podcast. The podcast that's as accurate as a John Beaton refereeing performance at Ibrox. This week on Heart and Hand, hearts humped. Now on to Perth. So welcome to Heart and Hand Rings Podcast, my name's David Edgar, I am your host and I'm joined this week by our pod regular and stalwart Mr Ian Hogg. Good evening David, uh, pleasure as always for you to have me on the show and, uh, and, 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 and clearly for me to be here as well. Well and also joining us tonight is um, Hoggy's son um, from the Millennial Bears on Patreon, one of the, the, the younger contributors to our site, uh, the man affectionately known uh, because he, he's on a show with Hoggy as Hoggy's boy, it's David Marshall, welcome to the first team son, just keep your head down, do what you're told by the older guys and you should be alright. No, thanks for having me on, David. The um, revelation about Hoggy being my dad is news to me, but I'm excited to be making my first team debut. Uh, well, um, just uh, given given Hoggy's Hoggy's behaviour back when you were a lad, um, just just show your mum a picture and hope that she doesn't <laughs> recoil in horror. He's, young young David is certainly my uh, my master Bates yes. to, uh, to Russell Martin. Your protege, shall we say? But. Indeed. Moving on, lads. Uh, Saturday, Rangers took on Hearts at Ibrox. Big game, and felt like a big game. And uh, Rangers, I thought, turned in an excellent professional performance. Right from the start, Rangers were the better side, I felt, although Hearts did, uh, I think, offer a wee bit in the opening 15, 20 minutes. But uh, Rangers soon asserted their dominance. Uh, got a goal, uh, and what a finish it was too, from Jamie Murphy, when he cut in, actually, from the right wing, and seemed to... Delay shot and delay shot and delay shot to the point of driving the crowd bonkers, but then just picked exactly the right moment to put it away. And that relaxed Rangers into the second half. There was uh, only one team in it, as the cliche goes. And Rangers, I thought, battered Hearts with Hearts goalkeeper keeping the score at a respectable level. Uh, and 
a more accurate gloss was put on the result with a couple of minutes to go when excellent luck down the right. As usual, Daniel Kandias plays in his going and stick me into the back of the net ball, which is obligatory at least twice a match, according to the stats. And there was Russell Martin, who came in and forced it over the line for 2-0. Hoggy, I'm not really doing that performance justice because Rangers were by far the better side against uh, a heart side which has been playing well and has certainly improved under Craig Levine beyond all recognition. What impressed me most, uh, most Hoggy, was that this was a must-win game and for the first time in a long time it felt to me like Rangers approached a must-win game thinking we're going to win this, as opposed to panicking about losing it. And that, to me, was so refreshing. I think um, Rangers approached the game with an attitude of, we are Rangers. And that, that's been missing for forever. It, it feels like... Um, I thought we went out and we, we, we obviously just wanted to impose ourselves on hearts. We kept the ball, we pinged it about, we made a few chances... What I will say is the first 15 minutes, I thought, uh, and I'm maybe being overcritical and over harsh, as is my usual want. Uh, first 15, I thought we were pretty defensively poor. Hearts were loading the box, hearts were getting crosses in, free kicks, all the rest of it. And my main beef was no one was taking ownership at the back and, and really leading the defence. And it was causing a wee bit of chaos. I was, I was quite surprised how first 15. What I did notice, however, sitting in these closure, is uh, Bruno Alves and Kenny Miller came out to, to start warming up and Alves started barking some instructions to the defence and all of a sudden Russell Martin was organising people the very next week kicked in Martin had basically positioned every single defender, we won the ball headed it clear and from that point on Hearts really threatened um, I thought middle to front However, uh, and, and then even at the back after that 15 minutes, we, we were in absolute control. Should have been cruise control um, because I think we had Dean Windas and Alfredo Morelos just having one of the days. No wonder we didn't uh, do too well with, with Dean up front, you know, considering he must be well, well in his 50s by now. Uh, mm. young, young Josh, shall I say. Um, See, this is and, why I'm bringing through an infusion of young blood into the first team before fucking your brain goes completely to mush. I mean, that, that's that's that started about ten years ago. Yeah. So I remember anyway. when Tony Hately was up front again for us. Indeed, bastard. So um, uh, yeah, young Josh Winder, should I say, and uh, and Trevor Morelos. Um, the, the key thing for me, however, was even though they had a bad game, even though they missed chance after chance, um, neither of them had. And you're used to that from Morelos. But look at Windass maybe three months ago. Had had he had, Three months ago, had he started like he did on Saturday, he would have disappeared up his own arse and been substituted. As it was, he never had. He was always looking for the ball. He was always trying to make something happen. David, you, you've mentioned a few times... Like him or loathe him, Josh Windass is now carrying himself as a first-team regular. And that performance on Saturday, whilst it wasn't good, never hiding is a damn good sign. No, absolutely. That's the old thing. He was there to miss the chances. We will come back to Josh later because there's an interesting question, I think, that, that the performance on Saturday raised that I do want us to, to, do want us to address. David, that was the best I think I have seen a Rangers midfield play in a match 
oh, all season. Um, uh, you could say it Parkhead, but that was much more of a, a, a defensive role where everyone knew what they had to do and they battled. And that's great. Mm. But I thought all aspects of the game on Saturday, the midfield four, if you like, of uh, Candace, um Doherty, Goss and Murphy I thought every one of them was good um, with three of them being excellent and I thought they completely strangled Hearts in that area of the field and made that made sure that we had as Hoggy says, after the first 15 minutes where I thought it was more to do with Kyle Lafferty schooling David Bates a wee bit I thought Kyle mm-hmm. Lafferty was using all his experience and showing a guy who we laugh and joke about Kyle Lafferty, the, the human being, but he's a talented footballer, always has been. And he was showing that, and I thought Bates struggled, but did did get into it um, a bit later. But I thought that the midfield choked off what could have been a, a decent route for Hearts because Lafferty did look in form early on. But then after that, they gave Rangers, if you like, the, the basis to just swamp Hearts, and for 70 minutes, that's what we did. No, I totally agree with you. If you look at it on the face of it, one 0 against Hearts right up to the eighth minute. You're, if you just look at it on the face, it you think it must be a nervy game. But to be perfectly honest, it wasn't really. Rangers were, you know, totally on top in that second half, particularly. And I say, it in, in no small part to the midfield, I think Greg Doherty was playing the proverbial. It was an everywhere role. Mm. The, I thought it was really good in Saturday. The way he always seemed to be chasing down the ball, trying to break up play in the moments where Hearts were actually in possession. And Sean Goss, I just, I've just got man love for this guy. And I'll, I'm sure I'm not the only bear that's holding my hands up, going, I'm to- I was totally wrong about this boy. I, I thought it was a, the signing of him was going to be a complete waste of time. But he really adds something to our team. There was a point in the first half where. Um, we had the ball just outside the Hearts box and like he'd done like a turn and put his foot in ball and just looked to start play again. And as soon as I seen it, I was like Barry and his pump the way he'd done that. They were just controlling the flow of the game, controlling the attack. And yeah, the midfield was, was excellent. Again, Candace, you know, you know exactly what you're going to get from him. As you say, he put in his regular stick this one away ball. But we were just really good and a Hearts team that can be dangerous, we know how they're going to sell. They're going to be difficult to break down. And they do have, you know, a dangerous um, outball and Kyle Laffey, but in the midfield was just superb, and I said just strangled any threat that Hearts could have had. Hoggy, fish and chips, Cagney and Lacey, Tim's and Gyros. There are some things that are just classic partnerships. Now, I think that Rangers are developing these all over the park currently. I think that on the right-hand side, you have Tavernier and Candace, who we've spoken about before, but I'm quite happy to talk about again, um, who have an excellent understanding. Already there are signs of that with Murphy and John, and I think John is looking like a better player already because of that. He's still got a ways to go, but I think we spoke about this on the show last week, that he is kind of where Tav was maybe two seasons ago. He's younger and he's developing, but he's now got his Candace, if you like, in front of him. And in the middle of the park, I thought Goss and Doherty complemented each other superbly. Already, that's remarkable. And I'm excited by the possibility of these partnerships, with the caveat that, of course, one of them may be broken up because Goss is only on loan. As you know, David, I'm, I'm, I'm a big one for talking about units through the park as opposed to just individual players and you know, of uh, alcohol of alcohol well, well 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 indeed indeed the higher the better um i'm never one for an individual player being at fault solely 
you know, it, it can for me a team game. It can never solely be his fault. So you take those units that you've talked about: the right hand side with Tavernier, a Candace, and when they're under when when they're under pressure or being attacked, you'll have one of the central midfield two shuffle over. You'll have one of the centre half shuffle over, and there's always two or three players backing backing someone up. Rangers have started to go hunting in packs a wee bit. And when we're attacking, and it's the right-hand side and the left-hand side, we are playing short passes. We're looking for the overlap continually. But we're not doing it Warburton-style stupidly. It's not everyone's going and it's the charge of the light brigade and leaves one at the back. We're just doing it with intelligence now. And that central midfield pairing of... Or I, I, thought, I thought on Saturday, Goss was excellent. He's, he has been for the past two or three games. Doherty was, I thought on Saturday, now, I don't particularly want to go overboard because, you know, I never liked to, but I thought Doherty was superb on on Saturday. I came away from the game thinking, if that's him after a handful of games, this boy's going to be an absolute star for us. I don't even think he's even... a handful yet. I think he's three or two or three or um, by now. But the the thing about Doherty, David, that I really like is that when he's ginger, and <laughs> Rangers are always better when we have ginger players in the side. This is a fact, folks. Just look through history. Rangers need to have a dominant Scotch ginger in there, and. I had, you know, Red's a good player. Now, the only thing that I'm looking at this boy and thinking this could be an issue is consistency, not based on anything he's done, because as Hoggy says, he started. But it's because when I look at his all-round game, I don't think there's very much he's not good at. He's got energy, he can tackle, he's quite quick, he's good in the air, he can pass, he can go Mm. past a man, he can drive the team on, and he's got a good shot on him. And I'm sort of looking up and going... Hang on a minute, six hundred grand because we've spent a lot more money for people with a lot less ability than than he looks to have. No, I agree with you. Um, we've been blessed in a way the la- in the last ten years. Or so we've had you know a bit of false dawns with Scottish midfielders coming through. You know, guys like Jamie S. Hang on a minute. Through. Hang on a minute. We've been blessed Bless. in the last decade. Blessed, you say? Well, see. Blessed by, the, okay. blessed by Cardinal, yeah. uh, blessed by Cardinal Mario Conti, maybe um, <laughs> was 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 the blessing. But right, go on. Nonetheless, I don't want to pick on you because it's your debut. I'm going to. I don't want to, but I will. But uh, go on. I was doing well. Make sure the slagging was just going. I <laughs> just get it, get it in early. You're absolutely right. right. Uh, no, what I was trying to say is, we've almost had that breakthrough. Young Scottish midfielder come through, but it's never really came to prominence. Now we've got this uh, guy, Greg Doherty. And when I was talking about Eller, I think I'd, I'd done him a bit of disservice. I only mentioned the stuff he'd done off the ball, really. As you said, he's, you know, he's a great ball-playing uh, midfielder as well. As well, as he can do all the dirty stuff in the engine room, like the runabout, the energy, closing down, tackling. And as you said, with consistency, he's a young guy. You know That's going to come with the more games he plays. But... I'm just really impressed with how well he's fitted in with the team already. He just looks like a boy who is absolutely born to play for Rangers. Something great about seeing a bear, isn't there, Hoggy, that, that 
is in the first team and looks as though there's nowhere else in the universe that he would rather be. Mm. Um, and that's how Greg Dockery looked on Saturday. But as as David mentioned there about him, um, you're right, we have had a lot of these kind of young guys coming through, but I, I don't think any of them have had the all-round game that he's had since. And I'm not going to mention a, the name because it would put too much pressure and I don't want to compare them in terms of ability. But fuck it, Barry Ferguson, in terms of having the all-round game... now. Greg Dockery is not as good a player as Barry Ferguson and if Greg Dockery turns out to, to have half as successful a career for Rangers as Barry Ferguson have, I, I will be a delighted, a delighted man. But what I mean by that is having the whole all-round range of game that we've had guys like Ness who are excellent passers of a ball that have come into the side. We've had guys who have excited us because they could do certain things well. He looks like a, a real old-fashioned, box-to-box, all-round midfielder. Not a defensive midfielder, not an attacking midfielder, a midfielder who could do pretty much anything that you want him to do in that area of the field. He reminded me, uh, I, I was talking to Big Alex at half-time on Saturday, and, and, and Alex made mention that he thought he was he was kind of reminiscent of a Stephen Davis, and I kind of disagreed with that. And I disagree with the Barry Ferguson thing as well. The guy that really, if we're doing comparisons, he's like Ian Ferguson when Ian Ferguson joined Rangers. And he was mm. absolutely box to box. He was all action. He could pass the ball. He could shoot. He wasn't, he wasn't afraid to put his foot in. In fact, he bloody loved it. And he just... On Saturday, Doherty's... Doherty stone about that midfield as if he owned the place. Mm. That was the thing that really, really impressed me the most. Now, uh, of course, we've completely jinxed Greg Doherty, so if it's a howler tomorrow night, then yes, it was entirely our fault and we will take the blame for it. But I don't think there's anything wrong with getting excited when you see genuine talent coming into your side. And speaking of genuine talent coming into your side, David, Jamie Murphy, sex we or what? Yeah, I mean, I really like Jamie Murphy. I thought... There was a lot of fans who were actually a bit harsh on Murphy when he first came, first, uh, first started playing for us. Oh, I can, can I just interrupt you there, David? Hoggy, we have a certain podder who's currently having a break from first-team duties, the big lady boy. And uh, how many games was it when he declared that he thought Murphy was a bit rubbish? Three. Three. Three games <laughs> for Big Scott. So all of you who clamour to have Scott back on here so he can tell you stories about Chinese youth team's testicles, right? Remember his ab- aberrant lack of football knowledge. Anyway, sorry, David. Yeah, especially, like, when I compared Murphy to the reception that uh, Graham Dorans got when he first came in, people seemed to be a lot more lenient with Dorans than they were with Murphy. But, I mean, if there's any doubts, it's not taking them long to... You know, get him on side with a with a fan base. He's been really good the last couple of games. His goal on Saturday was absolutely superb. I mean, if you listen, if you watch it back in Rangers TV, Tom Miller's commentary, it sounds like he's reaching the point of climax when the ball eventually rolls over the line. It's just superb, and I, I just can't wait to see this guy develop even more within this team. And he's, you know, the kind of player when he gets in a run, he's got you in the edge of the seat. You're always expecting something to come of his run and his play. Oh, but he works so hard as well, and I think that's something yeah. that I really like about both him and Kindeus. Now we've we've sung the praise of Kindeus Hoggy a lot this season. Where he had a, a rough couple of weeks round about the um, Hibs away match. I think that culminated that game was his worst performance of the season. But barring that, this guy I think has been one of our most consistent performers, and. 
there's something wonderful about having now two reliable wide players who you know that they will contribute, even if they're not having their best game. Candace's stats prove that he makes at least two great chances, i.e. should be a goal chances every match. He, he more than that on Saturday. And Murphy on the other wing is the same, that even if they're not having their best attacking game, you never need to worry about them doing their shift back the way. And there's, there's something hugely encouraging about that, which is... A, I think Tav's improvement defensively this season has come from having A, someone in front of him that will fill in and help him out, and B, someone he trusts. And he's now, I think, deciding when to go and when to stay is a lot better. His decision-making with regards to that is a lot better. And you add into that now, you've got Murphy on the other wing, who appears to be doing the same, which I think will be so good for Declan John I mean I, I, I honestly can't think of a better thing that's going to help him develop the way Tav has as having his own version of Daniel Kandias out on that wing Daniel Kandias is just uh, I think when he came in we all expected we all hoped he would be superb we all expected he would be inconsistent because let's face it he's had about 472 clubs over the past 10 years um, so doesn't point to a particularly consistent winger but I think if, if we under Pedro he was inconsistent but then so was everyone because no one knew what the fuck they were doing um, and since then I'll go back to it the right side and the left side the unit is starting to work they're working as a team a mini team together Candace on Saturday was absolutely superb just, you know, Hearts didn't know how to cope with him. Likewise, Murphy on Saturday, you're right, he's doing the exact same with Declan John, and they're working as a unit. One goes, one stays. Um, and add to that on Saturday, though, Murphy just wanted to take control. He wanted to drive at them. He wanted to commit defenders. He wanted to get people on cards. He wanted to get fouls. And you saw it time and time again. We, we, we got loads and loads of fouls out wide simply because we were committed defenders, simply because we were just taking responsibility and going at them. Now, we made, uh, I think, the technical term for it here because we like to keep up to date with the trends on here, don't we, Hoggy? Um, on the oh, modern... oh, 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 always. Yep, all the modern terminology. So looking here at the stat- statistical breakdown of the match, it says here, David, that we had shitloads of chances. And uh, it says here, missed some sitters. Um, I, I actually thought on Saturday that that was the worst game our two forwards have had since Christmas. I thought that uh, they just, for some reason, weren't on it at all. And in a way, it's encouraging that we could still go on and win the match fairly comfortably. As you say, there was no sense of panic around Ibrox. But is there something... Now, Morelos... His finishing can be erratic. There's, there's just no point pretending that sometimes it's wonderful, sometimes a bit off. He had a header, particularly in the first half, that he does have a head like a biscuit tin, let's be honest. Um, sometimes he meets it flush and no keeper stopping it. Other times it's a danger to North, North Sea shipping. So you never really know with that. But he do you can, think it's the... Sorry, David, do you think it's the haircut? I can't slag the haircut, mate. I'm not in a position to. You've still got some. <laughs> you can. You That's can. true. Um, but I, I just feel that would be very hypocritical of me because I would I would take his hair tomorrow, um, the, even even you know Daft Mohawk that it is I would I would still take it. But 
Winda, someone raised a point to me at the game on Saturday and they said, away from home, he buries them. Is there something in his head, David, about Ibrox yet? Because, look, this is true and I don't... People can, you know, at me on Twitter about it and disagree. I, I, I genuinely do believe this. Just sitting, listening to the punters around me, talking to people outside, the crowd don't really like him yet. Now... He's the type of guy that, for whatever reason, just has not bonded with the support. And we've talked about some of the of his kind of social media stuff and all the rest of it and his mm. antics on field. But they don't particularly like him yet. They haven't warmed to him. So he's the type of guy that needs to be scoring goals to, to kind of keep them on side. I wonder if he knows that and he gets that vibe a little bit. And chances that, yes, he would absolutely bury away from home. He's overthinking and snatching a little bit. There was one in particular. Um, in fact, there were two in the second half. One when a ball was played across to him and he, he timed his run perfectly, got right under it and smashed it over the bar that we've seen him put away recently, away from home. And then there was the one where he was put clean through by Candace, couldn't really make his mind up whether he round the keeper, take the shot early or whatever, and ended up sort of toe-poking it towards the keeper who made the save. And I, I did, it was at that point the guy said to me, he he would bury that away from home. And I thought, you know, you, you're probably right there. Is there a bit of an issue at the moment with Josh playing at home? Um, a part of me wants to say no, but probably when you, if you look at the numbers, it might be hard to argue against there is. I think the thing with Josh is, his biggest fan is Josh Windass. And in a lot of ways, that could be a positive because he's also a confident guy. He believes in himself. But at the same time, as you're saying, it doesn't help him build a relationship with the crowd. Especially, you talk about what he done in social media. There was somebody who said about him having a, a bad day in Twitter the other week, and Josh came, comes back on and says, I never have a bad day. It's like, you can give that kind of thing a bye, Josh, you know? You don't need to go on and reply to people like that, but I, I can understand why it could be frustrating. Um, again, it might be just a case of when he gets one or two, it'll just, the problem will negate itself, but it's a case of getting over that mm. stumbling block. I think... Josh has got enough confidence in himself and I, personally I think he's got the ability that it's something he'll get, uh, he will get over. Because a problem now, but if time goes by and we're still at this point, you know, towards the end of the season, going into next season, if he's still here, where he's missing, where he's m missing these chances at home, then that's when it does become an issue. Does Graham Marty wait too long to make substitutions, Hoggy? Because Saturday... I'd have had at least one of the front two off with half an hour to go and giving Jason Cummins a decent run out. And it's a concern that has been raised to me a few times and I, I've been kind of on the fence about it. But it does tend to wait till after 70 minutes. I mean, some people have said 70 minutes, but it's generally 72, 75 minutes when he starts to make changes. Now, the counter-argument is we won. We won 2-0. But I think it was pretty clear that it wasn't either of the front two's day on Saturday and that maybe he should have been looking to, to freshen it up a bit? Um, it's a strange one because Marty's been asked this you know, explicitly and he, he's, he's answered by he's got uh, he, he's, he trusts his players and thinks that they will work it out and thinks that they'll get there that will become unstuck. If that's your go-to place all the time, you will become unstuck. 
and we'll fuck it up at some point and people will point to that as being a continued failing. Yeah, I think, you, I think you can trust your players and I don't think it's a terrible reflection on them if you say to one of them after 60 minutes, it's not your day to day, you know, you're a good player, you made the runs correctly, it just, it just wasn't happening, aye? so don't, don't worry about it, go and have a cup of tea and we'll, we'll talk about it later, but you know, I appreciate the effort. You, I, don't, I don't think you're judging the guy by subbing him if he's having an off day as they were. And I do think I do think Marty thinks that's what he's doing with them. So he's keeping them on, trying to, try to let them work it out. All the rest of it, as I say, we're going to come unstuck if that if that continues, because what we he's he's in in danger of lapsing into Alec McLeish syndrome, where Paolo Vinoli would come on, bang on sixty minutes. Doesn't matter who for Paolo Vinoli was coming on. Um, and now it's 72 to 75 minutes, irrespective of what's going on. Like you, Morelos in the second half was, he, he would probably have tried to kick his own arse and failed. Mm. So so Cummings coming on would have been probably the right move. Windass is, uh, Windass is, is, is a different one for me. Um, <coughs> David, you, uh, Marshall, you, you talked there about um, bad days on Twitter and all the rest of it. I see Joss Windass as a, basically as a, a bit of an immature kid who's grown up with a professional footballing father in a bubble mm-hmm. and therefore has this, well, fuck you all, I'll do what I want. I've done it all my, all my life, so why wouldn't that be the case? Um, again, he'll come unstuck and he'll probably learn through it. He'll, he's, he's, he's having to make mistakes now that he's maybe never made and, that's, and it's been done in the public eye. Windass is probably the one, David, bizarrely, I would have kept on because outside of the box, he was getting the ball and recycling it and putting it side to side and he was always looking for the ball. Whereas Morelos was simply not getting on the end of things and chasing people down. So I would have had Cummings on probably 55, 60 minutes. Yeah, that, yeah. I, I would have thought so. Now, John Beaton was the referee, lad. <laughs> and... Uh, I sit in the main stand but down towards the Cortland Road because it's the furthest point you can be in the main stand away from that lot when they visit so there was some thought put into it um, but all joking aside I thought right this is the the type of game Beaton must have been praying for last night because there wasn't really a lot went on I mean it was for a Rangers Hearts game especially because they can be towsy and let's face it Hearts are well known for their agricultural style of football, I think it's fair to say. And I thought Beaton won a watch because there weren't tackles flying in, there weren't uh, niggles, it wasn't that type of game at all. And he, he couldn't really fuck much up, but he still managed with an incident in the first half. Now I'm at the other end of the stadium and from where I was, I thought it was a penalty when Morelos run in. I think that Berra seemed to lose his bearings a little bit as to where he was and where Morelos was Morelos I thought nipped in in front of him and it looked to me as I say from the other end of the stadium like he got clipped but both players went down and I thought look sometimes from down here you can't always see correctly and I'm not going to get up in arms about it because maybe I'm just doing it because it's beaten and I think he's a, a clown shoe and I'll go home and I'll watch that incident again Holy fuck, David, that was the penaltiest penalty of penalties you'll ever fucking see. Uh, it really was. I mean, 
if he's not going to give the penalty Rangers, I mean, it's a stonewaller, but fair enough. But to give the foul against Morelos, <laughs> I, I don't understand. I just don't, I, I don't know what goes in the guy's head. Hoggy, this is a guy who quite clearly, and he showed it with that incident again. As I say, he got away with it in that match. But what worries me is the SFA will look at that and go, oh, well, that was generally trouble-free. We can put beaten back into big games at Ibrox again. Because they've clearly been just trying to keep him away and then rehabilitate him slowly. But he again shows in that incident that he guesses decisions because he's... I've I've said it before, I think he's emotionally intelligent enough to be uh, a top-line referee because he panics when he's in front of a large crowd. He lets the the game get to him, he lets the players and the, the atmosphere influence him. And when he does that, he doesn't just referee and give what he sees, he overthinks things. Because as David says, to come up with a decision that he's come up with there, you can't do it naturally. It wouldn't occur to you as you're watching from where he is, because his positioning was good, but I praise where he deserves it. He can't have looked at that and thought Morelos has fouled him because it looks like Ben has clipped him. So he's clearly, in those split seconds, went, did he clip him? Well, maybe he didn't. And maybe Morelos, in fact, has actually clipped him and it just looks that way. Aye, I'll go with that. He guesses decisions and he, he overthinks things and creates scenarios. There's nothing worse, I think. Referees that don't see things, that's one thing. But referees who see things that don't happen, I think that's something nobody can make an argument for them. But maybe I'm wrong. Go on, make an argument for them. Guessing's absolutely spot on. I'll I'll, I'll admit that when I was at the game, where I sit in the Eastern Closure, you know, it's it's not the best view in the whole wide world of the... of, of the, the, the Broomland Road End's penalty area. I, all I saw was a coming together and Hearts get the free kick. And I, and I kind of went, ah, oh, well, it must have been a free kick. Not thinking who was the referee. Then I watched it when I got home, thinking, and I'm thinking, are you for fucking real here? I mean, that that's up there with um, Darren McGregor performing a WWE-style <laughs> fucking... Uh, Whatever you call it, clothesline, clothesline, clothesline. One, one of the things that the the kind of the wrestling type the, men do. Yes, yes, he did. Ah, it, it was actually quite a good one. It was very Undertakerish. It was well. Is that the? It was, one? was it? Ha ha! The secret yeah. is out. The secret's out. Well, maybe not. Um, Hoggy, I've long it, suspected that you like watching oily men um, grapple with each other. Men in pants. At least some of us do it in an arena that's safe for kids and we don't get specialist videos <laughs> off the internet. Yeah. It's what the dungeon's for. Shit, did I say that? Um, <laughs> so, f- for a referee who thought that Alfredo Morelos that day fouled Darren McGregor, that was just that. That was unbelievably blatant. Either wrong, cheating, or guessing. And you know, David, I'm a big believer in. I, I just don't think they cheat. Um, because if they, che- I, I'm a big believer in. If they cheat one way, you're going to have others cheating the other way. Hmm. However, so I just think he guesses and he gets it wrong. And whether it's emotional intelligence, whether whether it's just you know he he's he's not 
trained enough, or he's not good enough, or uh, he's not, he's not, whatever. He, he doesn't have the personality to do the job, is what I'm saying. Because you can be a good referee, and I'm sure he is. If it's like a training game at Auchinhowie, for example, I bet you would get a lot more right than he gets wrong. But you put him in that environment, and then the personality of the person is important, and he's, he's, that's when he struggles. He's got a touch of the um, oh fuck, I forget his name. Who's the wee goblin-looking one? Don't they be more specific? Colum. Uh, that's it. Yep, Willie Colum. He reminds me of him when Colum started out. That it was all about him. It was you know, I'm going to snap back at the players, and I can't possibly get anything wrong. And he got decision after decision after decision. He fucked them up time and time again. Beaton reminds me of that. Just a taller version. That he's getting all of these things wrong and they're absolutely blatant and he gets taken out of the firing line and he'll get demoted for a bit I'm sure the championship championship clubs fucking love that when he gets <laughs> um, and, and he gets rehabilitated and he's back in my key question would be if he performed the way he did at Ibrooks against Hibs and frankly unconsciously cheated us out of points and he gets rehabilitated in inverted commas and then turns in that performance and misses that fucking decision what's the rehabilitation is it simply you're no get those hun bastards for a wee while yeah that's what it'll be yeah it won't be in this instance because we won and it will get kind of forgotten about um, whereas in the, obviously the Hibs one wasn't but because it was such an uncontentious rest of game, the penalty decision didn't actually affect the match particularly. Because of that, it will get forgotten about and it will be until his next huge game-changing fuck-up that we need to put up with him. David, maybe let's just do what the Tims would do here. Alfredo Morelos is Colombian. That's twice now he's done that against them. It's just blatant anti-Colombian bigotry, isn't it? Well, I mean, David, when you lay all the facts out there bare to be seen by everyone... And I don't know how we can disagree with that. It's clearly that Mr. Beaton is just a racist. There's no smoke without fire. Um, and I would exactly. just like—I would just like to say, though, in case John Beaton's lawyers are listening, that it was David Marshall who said that, and that we don't actually think John Beaton is a racist. Um, It—it it, it was being said for comedic purposes, um, shall we say? Just, just, we, just, just in case. And I think that's fair. We—we we do think. Oh, you have a word with your boy for fuck's sake. He's going to get shut down. Ah, exactly. Stop it, Davey. We do yeah, think you tried to set me up for Susie Maguire the other week, now I'm getting set up for John Beaton. I'm not happy with this. Hold on, you tried to set up Hoggy with uh, Susie Maguire? No, no, the other way round. Hey, Mark, yeah, Hoggy, that must be one of the, you must be one of the few men of your age in Central Scotland then that hasn't been there. No, I, I, I walked the other way. I did. I said to David Marshall, right, your challenge, son, is you've got to fit both legs in. <laughs> Unfortunately, I could only find Michelle McManus in the garage, so... <laughs> I'm going to move the, the, the topic away from uh, larger Z-list Scottish celebrity ladies with a reputation for enjoying a smoked sausage supper of one sort or another, and uh, go instead to another little whore, um, Stephen Naismith. Now, one of the things that when the whole Naismith to Rangers story rumbled, which seemed to rumble for a long, long time, was that... I think a significant amount of, shall I say, the Rangers online community, and David, I'm going to blame you for this, the younger ones, would tell us that this whole thing about the Rangers fans didn't like him, that they couldn't stand him, was in fact overplayed. 
and uh, the uh, all-encompassing term that you youngsters use for anyone who is older and writer than you are is uh, Rangers does and it was just us moaning bumping our gums on Twitter and it wasn't actually true uh, Stephen A. Smith comes on as a substitute on Saturday and proceeds to get the shit booed out of him until the end of the game on the very rare occasions when he touched the ball which weren't many Um this just this idea that the Rangers support on mass didn't really have a problem with them. It's just simply not true, correct? Oh, absolutely, and I think as well you need to remember six years have passed since all that went down. If you're talking about the younger guys now who are eighteen, who are talking about the Rangers dad pattern, who were only twelve at the time when Naismith you know done us over, maybe they don't fully grasp just how much a heartbreak it was for guys like guys like us who even myself, was a bit older at the time and was really, you know, loved again. pissed off mm. with the way Naismith acted after, you know, being in love with him. He was one of us, you know, he was Rangers to the core. He was go- he was one of these guys that, you know, took the pay cut during the administration. These guys are going to help us get back to where, where we belong. Maybe we didn't think we were going to Division 3, but, you know, we'd at least get something from him. We'd at least help the club out. And he could have just left and that'd be that, but he'd done that press conference and absolutely stuck the knife into the back. I, you know, don't, who cares about Charles Green and the rest of that mob? He stuck the knife into the back of every single Rangers supporter, and I, I'm glad that he got the action he done. The only thing I take umbrage with is, I see he done an interview today where he said that he got booed every time he touched the ball. Now, I must have missed that, because I don't recall him ever touching the ball in that game. He got roundly booed when he came on, and he was pissed thereafter. So, aye, Stephen Naismith, get up, you. Yeah. Uh... He can, he can stay, Hoggy, I like him. Um, Hoggy, you on our Patreon site, we had a debate about whether Rangers should sign Stephen Naismith back at the start of January, and Cammy argued correctly that we shouldn't, and you, for reasons best known to yourself, um, <laughs> argued that, that we should. And Cammy's argument, while I thought he would have been you know, perfectly correct just to sit there and say he's a rat Judas bastard, uh, or play the press conference, um, all joking aside... Cammy's argument was he's not Stephen Naismith anymore he's finished he's not what he mm-hmm. was he looked like a, a a shadow of the guy if you didn't know it was him you would never have thought that that was him as David says he had one incident where Martins kicked the ball off him and it rebounded wide of the post but that is a guy who injuries have taken their toll on oh aye and, and for the record I think um I argued for with a number of caveats and disclaimers, and one of them one of them was fitness. One of them was around proven performance, and one of them, the main one, was around it being the right move for Rangers, not for Stephen Naismith. But of course, we would sign Jamie Murphy, would sign Jason Cummings. That's a big, big upgrade for me. Um, Naismith was roundly booed, jeered and sworn at when he was uh, he, he decided to go and warm up in front, front of the Union Bears yeah. okay, top, <laughs> top idea and he, he, he tried to get so far away from them he was practically talking to Wes you know, he uh, just didn't want um, to be near them and then, then he came on roundly booed, I think he touched the ball two or three times Jason Cummings performed an absolutely exquisite and clean, maybe Tackle on him, yeah, uh, and shocking, and, and shocking in, booking, I, shocking booking. Uh, and uh, you know, he, 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 he deserved everything you get after what you did. And I, David Marshall, I have to say, 
I'm sitting here thinking, that's my boy. Nice, <laughs> Brody's boy on that one. Okay, we'll we'll move off uh, the win at Hearts, enjoyable though it was, because we have another match, and I, I think it says something about the the way that this Rangers team have been up and down. Certainly this season but but even the last few years that because we've sat and enjoyed that performance so much and praised it that the automatic feeling when we then move on to the next game is because they have been up and down now we go to St Johnson tomorrow night David St Johnson are a team who are not having a good season who are probably playing below expectation however have two draws at Parkhead and a win at Ibrox this season no matter how they're playing, Rangers cannot take them lightly because this is a team who can turn up for the bigger match. No, absolutely. I mean, Toby Wright, say what you want of him as a manager, I don't think he's good enough for a team like Rangers. But oh, God, no. no he's he, not. he does very well for where he is and for the level he's at. I mean, I think we all know how it's going to go down in, in Tuesday. It's not going to be a pretty game. It's going to be absolutely freezing in Perth. And to be perfectly honest... If you were to offer me a 1-0 scrappy goal right now, I'd take it because it's got to be a difficult game and I think just going up there and getting the win, if we get the win, I think it says a lot about the character of this team and how we are progressing because you just know the way that Johnson are going to play and it is a difficult game we've got coming up. Hoggy, do you make any changes to that team, be it for tactics or for freshening it up? Um, not for tactics, no. Uh, I think the, the, the system's the system, we'll play it. Um, I'm expecting changes next Sunday against Falkirk, um, but I wouldn't have thought we'll go to Perth and make changes. Uh, if we're going to make any changes, it'll be... It's unlikely to be the likes of Lee Wallace or Bruno Alves. It's more likely to be a Jason Cummings for Morelos, for example, but that really would be about it because you know if, if you look at the keeper staying, the defence by and large is staying unless you decide you want to be a wee bit more solid and you would maybe go Lee Wallace. Don't know. Um, no, after field, you can't drop Lee Wallace. It wouldn't be fair on Lee Wallace to drop him after five months into a match like that. I think uh, I, 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 taking I, into I, account as I, well I, the I, conditions um, for a guy who's been out so long with that type of injury, I just I. I, I I can't see it. I agree. And I don't think Bruno Alves is coming back in for the St. Johnson game. I do expect him to play against Falkirk, as I, as, as I expect Lee Wallace to play against Falkirk. Um, the midfield, right up to um, Josh Windass, that ain't changing unless anyone's got a niggle. Um, and then the question is, is it Cummings or is it Morelos? And I would imagine the answer will be Morelos because he's a stinker on Saturday, so... Almost the way he plays, you know, if he's had a stinker, he'll come out all, gun, all guns blazing tomorrow night. So I, I would expect it to be the exact same start of the and the exact same uh, game plan. David, what are the keys for Rangers? What do we need to be aware of tomorrow? But more importantly, what do we need to do to go and get that win tomorrow night? Uh, without sounding a bit too much Mark Walton, I think it's just a case of, you know, playing our own game. If we play the way we did on Saturday... There's not many teams in this league that's going to be able to handle us. Um, I'd slightly disagree with Hoggy in terms of changes because I'd I'd probably start Cummins in the next two games purely because I'm getting a bit worried about the amount of time he's getting uh, getting on the pitch from the point of view of I don't think he'll want to be here next year if this is what if this is the amount of time he's getting. Obviously, there's a huge caveat around the the future Morelles, but 
I think it's about time we need to start throwing Cummins into these situations if we trust him as a striker. And I think it's a tough game. We've got that this midweek, but if we throw Cummins in there and he gets him, gets us a goal, you know, gets us a winning goal even, then I think that'll be huge for him and it's huge for us. But in terms of winning this match, you know, football's a very simple game at times. If we play like we did in Saturday, we'll win. If we play like we did when they turned us over Ibrox, there's a good chance we're, we're going to lose. No, we are going to lose if we... That was that'd a, be simply not enough. <laughs> I think that was our worst performance this season. If we yeah. play like that, we are going to get beaten. Um, no doubt about it. I don't, that, St. Johnson didn't have to play well to beat us at Ibrox. That that was the really, really irritating thing about that performance. Now, uh, lads, I'll just quickly then, I'll get your predictions for that match. David? 1-0 Rangers. Hoggy? 4-1 Rangers. Oof. Oof. I am going to go for 3-0 Rangers. I think it'll be a repeat of what we saw the last time. But uh, time, time will tell. So uh, a range of scores there. Normally, we, we if we get two agreeing, we say go and put your, your money on that. But we, we didn't. So <laughs> it's, it's up to you. You're on your own this week, listeners, I'm afraid. Now, in the press conference for today's match, Graham Murty, uh, you may have seen the headlines that Murty thanks Scott Brown for Scotland service. And that caused a bit of debate online with people saying, I oh, shouldn't be praising Scott Brown. And why is he even talking about that? He should have said no. If you watch the press conference, I think it's a little different. And it made me think about having having watched it for the Daily Update. It then got me thinking after it. Now, him, when he's asked the question, what he actually says is he laughs and says, you're really asking me about Scott Brown at a Rangers press conference. And it's quite clear that the reporter is on a fishing trip. Because if he doesn't say, ah, he's done well for Scotland, then the headline is, Murty refuses to thank Scott Brown for... And if he does, it's and it, it, it's the headline it was. And it's fishing for an angle, and it's this obsession Scottish football journalists have with non-stories rather than the actual game of football itself. Now... On the one hand, I don't like it because he's a Lego munching tit and I'd really rather that, you know, we just ignored them. And I think, you know, you saw that thing yesterday um, in the in the Sheep game. But I'm not sure what Graham Marty could really have done other than perhaps just say, uh, look, I don't really want to talk about this. What he does is he tries to turn it into a positive about his own players where he says, I want... You know, Scotland players to be coming through and having long uh, Rangers players at the moment are youngsters to come through and have long Scotland careers. That's my aim. So he, he may have phrased it a little clumsily, but it got me thinking, Hoggy, that it's not always about what guys say. That sometimes there are little pitfalls put in front of them that there's no good path to negotiate. Yeah, and 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 I fell into it as today. I have to say, you know, I, I, I looked at the Andy Newport uh, press guy, the only, uh, and who I genu- g- generally think and genuinely think is, is a pretty decent journalist. Uh, the only thing he tweeted from the presser was um, Scott Brown gets thanked by Graham Murty for Scotland service, and, and that was it. But as you say, you know, there's a fishing expedition. Marty starts off the answer very well. And um, just to build on that, the, the Celtic-Aberdeen game, 
Fucking hell, man. Scott, Scott Brown owns every inch the fucking moron that we know that he is. Here, here was a guy decrying Kilmarnock the other week for having the audacity to celebrate a win against Celtic. And that cunt starts celebrating a fucking tackle. Um, you know, hypocritical doesn't start it. But he's, he's a moron, right? Last last comment on him. Marty then talked about... Um, are you really really asking me about him? He thanks him for his service because he's, he's the way the question's been phrased is, um, Graham, you obviously played with him at the end of your career and the start of his. So... Graham Murty's never ever at that point going to say, "Fuck him, he's a mongo." He's not going to say that. Um, I think he goes. I think he goes overboard in his praise, and I think Graham Murty has to recognise that football fans have knee-jerk reactions, and if you do that time and time again, like for example, Parkhead, what a wonderful place to come and play football, or whatever it was he said. Second to none. Second to none. He said. Second to none, the atmosphere. Then these wee things start to chalk themselves up in people's minds. So he needs to be careful. After that, of course, he then he he turns it into a positive for Rangers, which I liked. And he talked about well, if that Lego munchin fuck's not there, and I wish he had said that. If he if he's not there, then our players have got a real chance of staking a claim. Great, talk our guys up. Because let's face it, for years that hasn't happened. David, thoughts? Uh, well, I think it's just press conferences are generally, you know, useless things. Managers and players don't really want to be there, and ninety percent of the time they'll give you the same answer. Mm. This conference and not have the date on it, and it could be from any mention, you know, a match or team. I think Murray handled it fairly well when he was clearly dealing with a guy who was just looking for, you know, either column space or web space to fill, obviously fishing for a line. And Scott, um, Scott, um, Ian's right at what he said about um, these things start to build up in the fans' mind, and that's why headlines are dangerous for managers and players. So I'd just say to the people out there, I know we don't want to read the daily record or the sun, but if you're going to do that as well, don't put any weight into their headlines because they're out there to paint these guys up for saying something they didn't. Yeah, and I mean, this was a classic case. I'd also, sorry David, I'd I'd also argue, and I've thought this over the past couple of seasons, is it just me or do we seem to have press conferences at the drop of a fucking hat now? You know, we had one before the game on Saturday, we had one after the game on Saturday. It's now Monday, and just because we got a game on Tuesday, we've got to have another one. No, that's it not seems... us, that's part of the agreement. No, I get, yeah. I get that, I get that, but how many questions can these guys fucking ask that, that weren't, you know, up to three press conferences in a week? Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree, I agree with David. I mean, after it, Wes Fodringham comes on, uh, comes on and... It, Exactly what David says, and this is no disrespect to Wes. He's, he's, you know, clearly it's all he can do. Is I, you know, it was a good win. We want to keep winning. Tough match. I mean, it's all he can say, and it is pointless. It's just to help people fill comments. There's not really any any point to it. But yeah, you're right. It, it, it's it, sometimes it's it's a bit comedic, and especially when you've got guys who don't want to ask you about the actual football, mm-hmm. which is the majority of the the Scottish press. Now, before we finish up today. Um, a few things uh, I'd like to mention. First of all, um, 
SPFL manager watch um, Derek McInnes who of course could have became our manager but um, decided against it has a bit of a reputation for being a shite bag and in his 10th attempt to beat Celtic he lost for the 10th time as Aberdeen manager um, after bizarrely when going to play Celtic instead of having a go at them Celtic of course having been humiliatingly pumped out of Europe by a Zenit team who were still on their holidays the other night and a journey back from Russia instead of pressing them uh, as teams who've got a bit of success against them have this season he decided to sit in and of course they lost um, the phrase that, that began to trend on Twitter yesterday among Rangers fans was bullet dodged David you know we said it at the time and, and I don't want to go too much into it because there's, we've, we've spent enough time talking about this non-entity Derek McInnes coming to Rangers would have been there was a reason nobody was excited about it that's all I'm saying mm-hmm. he is a decent manager up to a point that point is Aberdeen St Johnston he is not a Rangers manager in any way or shape or form in his own head he's an Aberdeen legend when he's had the easiest run at Aberdeen than any other manager in their history Throughout all that time, he's managed one cup and a couple of second places. The guy is well suited to where he is, and just thank God he's not Rangers. Hoggy, I've got to be honest. If it's him or Graham Murray, it would be Graham Murray for me. You know, any day of the week, and that's not to say that I'm saying at this point Graham Murray for the long term. I'm going to wait and see as as the board are. But uh, for me, I echo exactly what David said there. But the the fact that people have been saying oh there's a battle for second there really shouldn't be because we can only fuck it up they're not good enough to go and do it themselves I think you look at Derry McInnes' record against not only them but against us um, he's had 16 games in a row and he's lost 15 and won one and the one game that he won, I think we were, I think your defensive, your defence up night was the Rangers under nine girls team, mm. um, and they managed to scrape a two-one win. The rest of the Jesus, Pedro beaten time after time for Christ's sake. Um, bullet dodged? Question mark. I'd say that there's there's a guy on Easy Street um, who continually shakes his pants in the face of big challenges that's not a Rangers manager what I think the, what I think is brilliant as I sent a wee kind of message to the sheep yesterday just to point out that don't feel bad sheep here's a wee, wee thing to cheer you up he's unsackable now and <laughs> it, no he is he's absolutely unsackable they would need to get relegated before Milne would, would chop him he is there for life and he's never going to go anywhere because he's had two opportunities to do so and uh, he's bottled both of them. He's there for life. So that's you know, that is what they're gonna that's what they're gonna achieve and uh, hope that once every decade they can win a cup. So great, they're back to where they should be in Scottish football. Now the other one, of course, was our old friend Neil Lennon, who made everybody Saturday morning by going on one of his tizzies that only he can do when after a penalty was given against his side which I thought was a penalty um, he then launches an epic rant at the referee gets sent off 
Uh, after the game, still hasn't calmed down and still proceeds to then compound his I'm an arseholeness by making a further arse of himself. And Hoagie, it's fucking hilarious, but this is a guy in his 40s. You know, it, it, the daft boyness or the passionate thing, it doesn't wash anymore. This is just a Ned. The guy's a joke, first and foremost. He's, he's a... He's almost a, and he always has been, but he's a caricature of himself. Type of guy that ignores all the decisions that goes their way. We've been talking about beating, for example. Uh, only ever talks about the injustice and the, the injustices. He is the perennial, always the victim. Um, I mean, I, I, to be honest, the, the the only club he can go, there's only two clubs he can go to now after Hibs, and that's Celtic and Liverpool. Um, the handball, it was a handball I, I thought it was a wee bit harsh I thought his, his arm was by his side But Lennon actually claims That he's seen it again And that it hits his chest Now that's just downright lies yeah, So, so here's, here's a guy That he, he, plays his, he plays a victim card Continually It in turn plays the sectarianism card Despite him having a rather Kind of dodgy big background throughout his playing career that we've seen um, and is continually handled by the authorities in Scotland with kid, kid gloves because let's face it, he's got loads and loads and loads of previous as well as being banned twice but we'll, 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 um, we'll let them run at the same time. How the fuck does that work? And you know this is also the guy that effectively drove the referee in strike and then amusingly, of course, the referee for the Celtic game at that point came from Luxembourg, made a, made a mess of the decision, and Celtic dropped points. Um, after Saturday, it was the, the incident was debated long and hard in sports scene. And quite a lot of them were playing the uh, poor old Neil, he's passionate card. Mm. But the actual incident itself wasn't shown. I, uh, you know, I, I'd heart back, as I do, to maybe 28 years ago, to 1990, when Sunis was banned for five months by the SFA for effectively talking out a turn again about referees in the SFA. He then was instructing the players from the tunnel, mm. and on TV evidence, it was that ban was extended to two years. Neil Lennon, after Saturday, after those pictures, after what he did... During the game and after it, he should be looking at a circa 12-month ban. The three of us sitting here tonight know fine well he'll get a paltry fine and a three-game ban. Oh, and then no, he'll, no. Do it, he'll do it all again six months later. No, it won't no. even take as long as that, I don't think. But, uh, David, don't get it shut down. But your thoughts on just what Hoggy was saying there? Yeah, sure. Um he said it was funny, and after the initial reaction of myself going to have Neil Lennon acting ass, I actually got quite angry at it because I'm a referee myself. What? And I know, I know, a referee and a journalist. I just like being unpopular. I'm getting Neil the Lennon. word nonce. <laughs> <laughs> now, 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 you guys see why I was trying to match him with Susie McGuire. <laughs> Surprised he's not been there already. But uh, go on. Yeah. So. If Neil Lennon could act like an adult, he actually makes a standard of refereeing in Scotland isn't good enough. But also, Lennon can't 
at like an adult. So how do we improve the standard refereeing? We need to get more guys into it. We need to get younger guys, 16, 18, taking the course and get trained up. And we need to get experienced players who don't play the game anymore getting into refereeing. The number one thing that stops people getting involved in refereeing is seeing acts like Lennon acted on Saturday. People look at that and go, ah, fuck that, that's simply not worth it. And when we've got, you know, seasoned professionals, guys who have played in the Champions League, won league medals, won various cups, acting like that on the sideline on Saturday, there's absolutely no way we're going to get more people into refereeing. And so the standard is going to be just as poor as it is now. That's a fair point, and I've I've long argued. No, I haven't. I've I've always thought there's something deeply wrong with your psychology if you want to be a referee. I think that you must have been bullied at school. That that's the only possible explanation I can get for all it. I, all but I'm going to say is bullied at school and too short words. for the polis. That's that's really the only the only possible explanation. But go on. What were you going to say in your defence? All I was going to say is I've got a variety of safe words and I'm just going to leave it there. Okay, yes. And we're going to move on from there. Okay, folks, it's only three months until NASA, um, the, the NASA convention this year. North American Rangers Sports Association is in Calgary and I will be there. So if that doesn't make you want to sign up, all the other stuff that they're going to be doing, the amount of legends who are going to go there should, go to their website. It's nasa.com. It's going to be a fantastic time. I've always wanted to go to Calgary. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, there'll be a live pod. There'll be loads of interviews with me and uh, other people, uh, the the legends and whatnot. I'm not sure that, that they know that yet, but trust me, I'm persistent. Um, so nasa.com for more information. Now, if you like our show, you can find us on patreon.com where there are at least three shows every day, including specials by the two gents who have entertained you royally for the last hour. Uh, and both of them now, actually, apart from Hoggy's Hamper, where he does a, a Q&A every week, and he joins me on the Advocate years where we look back in, in minute detail at Dick Advocate's time at Rangers. He's also on David's show. David, explain to the listeners what the Millennial Bears is. Yep, so the Millennial Bears is a look back at the first decade of the new millennium. We started in 01, about 01-02 when Abicat left and McLeish came in. And we've kind of done a season season by season review each episode, you know, looking at all the ups and downs from Le Guin coming in, Walter coming back, McLeish leaving, finishing third. Uh, at the moment, we are into a three-part episode of the 07-08 and on this week's show, we're getting right into Nick Gray. We're going to be talking about Florentina, you know, the league running, and of course, the final in Manchester. So it's a really good time if you've not listened to the show before. Come and listen to it this week's because it's going to be a cracker. And Hoggy, tell them about this week's Advocate Years. So the Advocate Years is something I was I was particularly excited to do, I have to say, David. Um, and I'm, I'm surprised at how, how much depth and detail we've got into I think everyone else is. We might finish it after it. It's, it's a 468-parter. Yeah, well, um, basically, this is, this, epi- this is episode... This week was episode 11, and we haven't got to the end of the first season yet. <laughs> and uh, so we're talking real in-depth, but it's not just about the games. It's about the, the time. It's about the players. Of course, we could sign players throughout the season, uh, much to the amusement and amazement of our young Bears, uh, Stuart McCall. Uh, this week, and it all hit, Wednesday morning, I think. Yes, it um, Myself, Stuart, and David uh, did a, a watch along the entire match, uh, watching through it, 
little snippets of commentary about the old really firm shame game which you mentioned May 99 May the 2nd the old firm and inverted commas shame game which we counted precisely no incidents of any trouble involving Rangers or Rangers fans in about 47 of the Tims but uh, the old firm shame game as it came to be known and this this was full match watched on YouTube it'll be a 3-2-1 go hit play and um, basically we just had I have to say David a superb laugh oh, from start brilliant. to finish. It was, and I think you. I think people will really enjoy it. Just if, if you want to, just pop the game on. Um, but people are really enjoying the content on Patreon. In fact, we had a cancellation from one bloke who says that there's too much. Um, and here was me worried about there not being enough uh, We promised when we started at 20 to 25 hours extra content a month There's now going to be at least 40 um, coming your way every month It's just one ninety nine. Pick and choose your shows There's current affairs chat A tactics show that breaks down with tactical experts uh, Guys like Ali Bain and uh, Dougie Wright that you may know from Twitter Where they break down the games in detail um, There's previews of all our opponents So if you want to learn a bit more about them before we play them You'll, you'll get those details Daily update from me with all the news and, and latest rumours And uh, all these historic shows where uh, everything going right back to the Gallant Pioneers The Struth days, we've got shows on every era of Rangers So it's kind of like Netflix in your ears for Rangers fans is the best description $1.99 per month, please come check it out, I think you'll enjoy it We've got well over 2,000 now, we're almost up to 2,500 who are there And they're enjoying themselves, so... uh, you know, don't take my word for it, take theirs uh, Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com Forward slash heart and hand And up we shall pop Now thank you very much everyone for joining us And for listening Oh one last thing, we are in Dunfermline Hoggy on Saturday night where we are. The, We're going to do a live pod And the panel contains myself Mr Hogg here, Cammy. Uh, the, the Livingston Lothario and a guy called Kevin Thompson who you may have heard I think he's a coach at the club now but um, he's he's quite good he's got the odd story I've heard and uh, we released the last 20 tickets I think we're down to about 12 now for Saturday night so if you want to come along it's Dunfermline the British Legion Hall kicks off about half seven um, you'll have your chance to come along and meet Kevin get autographs and whatnot. it is a good laugh anyone who's been to the Loudon show will tell you uh, he is epic it's going to be a fantastic night so if you just uh, have a look on Twitter uh, at my feed or if you have a look at the Facebook post uh, for this pod we'll also include the link there and you can get tickets to the live show I would encourage you to come along it's going to be some night great way to warm up for Falkirk on the Sunday okay we will be back on Thursday with reaction to the St Johnson game and a full cut preview. Um, all that remains for me to do is to thank our executive producers in London, Mr Mike Lee and Mr Mike Ma- uh, Paul Myers, not Mike Myers, that would be frightening. And to thank my guests today after a wonderful Macrorius debut, Mr David Marshall. Oh, pleasure, David. Thanks for having me on. And of course, the cam old head at the back, the Russell Martin that is Ian Hogg. Pleasure as always, David. My name's David Edgar, I'm one of you, and we are the people. Take care, speak to you again next week. Bye. Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.